And welcome back to the South End Zone. We are live, Eric. We're live on YouTube. It's Monday night. We're going to recap all of your recaps, of course, on this show brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher, as always. Eric, what's happening, man? How was your weekend? Uh, the weekend was good. Uh, some some really good games. Compelling week of uh, football on Saturday. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of it. The, you know, the goal is to move just enough where no one thinks I'm dead, but not much past that. Mm. Well, big night, <laughs> big night for you. box. Big night for you after this. Uh, we're going to yeah. finish up just in time so you can uh, watch the Astros and perhaps maybe have Vikings going on on TV too. Oh, God. I... <laughs> I don't want to break your heart. I mean, I know they're playing the 49ers, but hey, you never know, man. The Niners lost to Cleveland last week. So, they, sure. No. Yeah. Um, it's in Minnesota, right? I have no idea. Uh, That's one of those I saw in the schedule. I was like, nah, no chance. <laughs> um, Come on. I kind man. of feel like if, if, I, if I laid two bets, right, on, you know, uh, pick a team, pick a team. And mm-hmm. like, you, you ever go into Saturday night thinking, man, I got two games left, but I really don't feel good about one. Like I'm, 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 oh, I'll yeah. walk, I'll walk away with one and one and be happy. That's kind of how I feel. Oh, I, like, I've kind of written off the Vikings tonight, but well, I, I was going to say, I think you're probably hoping more for an Astros win than, yeah. uh, but you know, the odds are in your favor there because, uh, Max Scherzer, I believe, uh, if you total up the amount of innings pitched, he leads in playoff innings pitched with the worst ERA. <laughs> it's like a it's like a five five six playoff ERA yeah. in the last five seasons or something. He, he didn't it's look great. Good. He didn't look great the other day. I just I, I feel like he's either going to give up five runs in two and a third, or he's going to shut him out for six or seven innings. Like no in between there. It's yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. I, I do. Uh, you know, I've been kind of tuned out on baseball since the Braves lost, but uh, I am anxious to see if the Astros can pull it out. But uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rangers make it. You know, they've they've been uh, they've invested a lot, new stadium, new players. You know, they kind of went out and made some bold moves, and it's worked out for them pretty well. So interesting baseball stuff. But that is not the purpose of this show. We're going to get back to the degenerate behavior. Uh, that we partook in this weekend on college football. And, man, what a weekend. Mm -hmm. Ohio State, Penn State, Bama, Tennessee, Utah, USC. Those are going to be kind of the three main games that we discuss at length, I guess, as we break down our picks. And then we'll discuss some of the rest, the best of the rest, if you will, OU, Texas, Washington, Oregon, all those kind of uh, games and uh, see what they did. And also some implosions elsewhere. (laughs) But uh, we'll get to all that. So, all right. Jumping into the picks recap, uh, much improved week for me this week. I went four and two and uh, had a couple of, ba- well, one really bad beat and uh, one that kind of, I don't want to say it was a bad beat, but it was just an unfortunate situation that led to a betting loss. And uh, and for your week, sort of a step back after a couple of four yeah. and two weeks, man. What, what, what did you end up going this week? You went two I, I and went- four? I went two and four and then one and one in the bullpen. Um, ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went one and one in the bullpen as well. And we'll, so we'll I had, those. I had five games queued up and I picked the wrong bullpen game. Um, yeah, you, you, uh, you brought up Penn state money line into the yeah. active rotation and, uh, they got shelled. I couldn't pass up one sixty four. It, it was a good number. I, I don't hate it. And for all intensive purposes, it really, 
if they played again tomorrow, it still wouldn't be that bad of a number. But, no. you know, we'll, we'll dive into all these. So hit us with the recap here. So let's start with me. Okay. And we'll, we'll run through some of these and maybe talk about one or two if there are some big game, one of those three big ones in there. I can't even remember what I picked. So what hit us with it. Okay. Well, we mentioned Ohio State, Penn State. You were on the Buckeyes minus four and a half. That was a hit. Oh yeah. So uh, all right. Well, we can we can go ahead and get that out of the way since that was the biggest game of the week. Yep. And we'll discuss that a little bit. So yeah, I was on the Buckeyes. You were on Penn State money line there. Yeah. So a little bit of uh one v one action there. And I gotta tell you, for me, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'll 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 just say my take and you can do with it what you will. The only difference between these two teams that I saw pretty much the entire game was two things. One, Kyle McCord is slightly better than Drew Aller. However, Penn State doesn't have a Marvin Harrison on their team. Yeah, that's that's, that's the big thing. That's really the only thing for me. Yeah. Go ahead. I, mean, I, I think both defenses played exceptionally well. I think both quarterbacks made a few mistakes, made a few bad throws, made some good throws, but neither team ran the ball particularly well. But I think the difference was just Marvin Harrison, man, that like Penn State just doesn't have that guy and they don't have anybody that could cover that guy. And to be fair, not many people do. No, I, that's for me. My takeaway was just the the difference for me and, you know, watching the game was just athleticism on the outside. Uh, I thought Penn State had an advantage on the lines of scrimmage, and that was kind of a wash, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they would be better there and have the advantage. They really didn't. It was it was more or less even. Uh, like you said, neither team distinguished themselves running the ball. Neither quarterback bathed themselves in glory. No. Um, it was just, you know, one team had Marvin Harrison Jr., and the other team had a bunch of guys who just could not get open all day. No. No, they could, no separation whatsoever. Um, so I, I don't want to say give Drew Aller a pass. I'm just saying I'm not ready to lay the whole game at his feet because I don't know who the hell he was supposed to throw to. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I do. I was a little bit surprised that Penn State did not try to run the ball more. You know, Nick Singleton was their leading rusher with nine attempts for 48 yards. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't try to pound the rock more, but because I, I mean, Aller was missing some throws, dude. Like you, I mean, me and you were texting about it. I'm missing, going, who? Like, I'm going capital who the fuck? M missing. Yes, I'm going. Who the fuck is he throwing to? Yeah. The receiver's not even out of his break yet, and he's just panicking and throwing it to the sideline. I'm well, going. I mean, there's a couple of like, hey, got to get rid of it, like. You know, as opposed to taking a sack, I, I get it, but um, I I was really just underwhelmed with Penn State's offense. They 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 weren't explosive by any stretch leading up to this, but they looked competent in all their games. They looked like they could take over a game, particularly on the ground. And I mean, offensively, it was just meh. And I will say this. If you look at you pull up the box score and you look at Penn State's offensive numbers mm-hmm. without having watched the game, without knowing the end result, and you just looked at, you know, rushing attempts, rushing yards, yards per carry, passing yards, yards per attempt, mm-hmm. all that, and looked at their offensive output. And then I told you, hey, they were on the road at Ohio State. They were down seven with four minutes to play. You would build Manny Diaz a statue tomorrow if you if you 
thought, hey, they're still in the game with this kind of offensive production. Um, both defenses, yeah, I thought, were – and it was a weird yeah. game because I came away – like, I don't know if I just saw two top ti- top five teams battling or a couple of teams that are more like in the eight and ten range because mm-hmm. one wasn't like noticeably – well, aside from one player, one wasn't noticeably better. I'm starting to feel like Penn State, like we've always talked about with Notre Dame. Where, don't have the athletes. Well, it's the athletes, and they might be a quarterback away. And maybe Alar can be that guy. He is a redshirt freshman. Well, I just didn't see but, a Jahan Dotson out wide. That's what that's, I that's the biggest thing is yeah, that, they don't have any athletes on the perimeter that can that are difference makers. They've got some good receivers that are talented, but in a game like this where you can't run the ball where you have 49 yards right. rushing, you have to be able to make a difference on the perimeter, and they just couldn't do it. They don't have those guys. And, and on the same note, if I told you, you didn't watch the game, and I told you, hey, Penn State held Ohio State to 79 yards rushing and 365 total yards, mm-hmm. you'd have been like, well, fuck. I bet that was a close game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, plus know? 164. Book it. Yeah. 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 Did, did Penn State win? My God, surely they were close, but no, and it never really felt like they had a chance for no, it did not. So, I same old, same with Ohio State and Penn State. You know, Penn State just it's the same story as last season, man. And I kind of said that before the game. I said that I just don't, I think Ohio State's going to out athlete them. And that's exactly what happened. They had one dude who was better than anybody else on the team. Yeah. And that just is what it is. So tough luck, Penn State. They'll probably finish 10-2 and two after they lose to Michigan. <laughs> so yeah. I, I hate it for them, but it is what it is. Uh, not to say that they have zero chance against Michigan because Michigan does not have Marvin Harrison on their team. And no. so if you can hold Michigan to 79 yards rushing, which is a tall order, yeah. then you have a much better chance, I feel like, to get a win. So I, I don't want to just completely write Penn State off and say they have no chance. But, I think in terms of roster makeup, I almost feel like Michigan is a better matchup for Penn State than Ohio State is. Because I agree. Of, so I I wouldn't say no chance. I, I'd be curious to see what that number ends up being. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but, but I'll tell you, if you look like that against Ohio State's defense, boy, I have bad news when you go to play Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not looking too good. So. Yeah. So I hit on uh, minus four and a half there with the Buckeyes. They yep. uh, they pull away, get it done, and uh, cover for me. So what else we got? Uh, speaking of covered for you, old trusty, the Dukes. Uh, James Madison minus three and a half, that hit. They win 20 to nine. Uh, you missed. This is this was your bad beat. Wisconsin, Illinois under 42 and a half. I don't have, oh yeah, 25-21 oh, final. Yeah, Wisconsin scored a touchdown with 27 seconds to go to beat them. And yeah, so that I, was the lineman eligible play, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah nothing, lovely. Yeah. Nothing like seeing a fat guy score to beat you with 27 seconds to go. I was praying Illinois could get a stop, but they just, they couldn't, man. And, uh, you know, kudos to Wisconsin. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, who's in the driver's seat conference title wise uh, later on in the West, in the Big Ten, and also all the other Power Fives. So, Kudos to them for getting a win. Hard fought. They were down most of the game and just came back and got it done, man. 27 seconds to go. You watch a fat guy score. What are you going to do? Like I say, 
didn't have a ton of faith in either offense and neither offense played particularly well, but it was just one of those things with less than a minute to go, you get a bad beat. So can't be mad about it. Yep. Uh, another narrow loss, Coastal minus 10 and a half. Of course, mm-hmm. they win by 10 uh, at Arkansas State. Yeah, that was uh, sort of an unfortunate bad beat because Grayson yeah. McCall uh, goes out in the game. He gets uh, He slides and gets a cheap shot hit on him and uh he got taken to the hospital don't have an update on his status whether or not he'll be playing the next week don't know yeah. yet we'll try to update that for tomorrow's show but mccall goes out late in the third and uh they don't score another point they get a field goal after that on that drive i think and right. then uh, arkansas state scored a garbage time touchdown with two minutes to go uh, to pull within 10 but side note on that game I bet it at 10.5 on the show. I actually got it at 8.5 Saturday morning. So I did win a bet in that game, but I did not cover for the purpose of the podcast. Uh, I'm actually I'm really hoping that something comes out about Grayson McCall uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow before we record. Yeah. Because if the current line stands on them at home versus Marshall, um, I'm going to be just, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to be all over that one. <laughs> Uh, if you're going to give me more than a field goal for Coastal at home against a Sunbelt opponent, I will take it. But yeah. we'll worry about that tomorrow. Um, what else did you have? Uh, you had the second safest bet in college football. No doubt. Minnesota, Iowa, under 32 and a half. Never 12, a doubt. 12 to 10 final. Even with the goofy fair catch, not a fair catch signal. Uh, that didn't matter. Yeah, matter. they still wouldn't have hit. So I, I got more on Iowa later on in the show. But that was a win for you and Dude. trumped only by the safest bet in college football, which we both oh, yeah. took because that's what we do. Air Force at Navy under 36 and a half. Easy. Easy. They covered by 13 points. Never a doubt. Never. Never a doubt. Navy is so bad. And that They're was really rough. that was really the only concern in this game for me was is Navy bad enough that Air Force can run up the score on them? Right. They but, just win 37 nothing. Yeah, but yeah. right. And so I think the new clock rules probably helped us out there because that yeah. clock was running the whole game. But man, there was a <laughs> couple of times where I text that- you and I'm Stop throwing the ball and scoring, Air Force. Just run it. <laughs> yeah. So two things on that. That game finished almost a half an hour before the other games in the time slot. No and the other thing was there was definitely a time where I was like, I started getting nervous. Like, boy, if Air Force keeps popping those, pat, you know, catches them off guard, Navy's pass defense is not good. <laughs> like no. they might actually get there, but well, that's what I said it during the game on the when we were texting. I was like, "Shit, if I was Air Force, I would just run, run, and then pass because Navy yeah. can't defend the pass anyway. You'd have you'd probably score every time you do it. So yeah, the third down is a pass regardless of distance. Like <laughs> yeah, third and twelve, fuck it, pass. So but, I, I don't yeah, know. we both hit under thirty six on a seventeen to six final. So. And then yep. your bullpen picks, we both went one and one in the bullpen. You had uh, Michigan minus 24 and a half. They romped. Michigan State, man. I, I should have taken that. I thought to myself, it's on the road. It's a rivalry game. But, dude, what I failed to realize is that – well, I did realize it, but it just sort of slipped my mind is that Michigan State has completely quit this year. They're not yeah. trying. And mm-hmm. Michigan is just in straight body bag mode. And they went up there and just – they they put Michigan State in a body bag. It was it was a complete and utter beatdown. It was forty something, wasn't it? 
Uh, it, I don't, it was a lot to none. I think yeah. it was 40, 49 to zip is what the final was. If I'm not mistaken, it was, it was a uh, complete and utter bloodbath. <clears throat> so should have taken that one. That's one I sort of uh, feel like was a missed opportunity that I think they were a 24 and a half point favorite. Yep. Yeah. And I did not take it and they covered by, you know, another 24 and a half basically. So, okay. And then you missed on a bullpen pick. We'll circle back to that one in a minute after mine. And that'll be a segue into our next kind of topic. Yes. Um, yes. Let's do that. So moving on to mine, as we said, I had air force Navy under uh, missed on Penn state. My two bullpen picks were the same uh, big 10 West unders. Uh, mm-hmm. So I went one and one in my bullpen missed on Wisconsin, Illinois, and would have hit on Iowa, Minnesota, kicking myself. I didn't, t- I'm furious at myself. Two, I didn't take two, it. two weeks in a row. You've missed out on it. I don't yeah. know why you keep doing it. <laughs> it's speaking right there. of speaking of things. I don't know why I keep doing them. Uh, Georgia tech minus four and a half <laughs> versus BC. That, uh, I told you to lay off the Georgia Tech games, and you, did. you just you didn't listen. You just you keep did. doing and it, I, and I, I can hate when you're right. Um, I'll be, I'll be Georgia honest Tech, though, Georgia listen, Tech gets rolled. They lose by 15 outright. I, I, listen though, I'll be honest. When Georgia Tech was up like 23 to 17. I believe going into the fourth quarter, and I was thinking to myself, "There's a chance." That Georgia yeah. Tech could put this away, and Eric could buck the trend here. And then Boston College reeled off twenty-one points in the fourth. Yeah, quarter. no, there was there were they were positioned in the second half to cover. They yeah. had to just not shit down their leg. <laughs> Guess what they did? <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So yeah. moving on, um, they're they're dead to Eric. They are. I, I'm. They are in freeze Malzahn. Yeah, put them in the put zone, them in the shame the zone. Yeah. Put them in the Shane Beamer slash uh, Mike Loxley category for me. Oh, they're man. they're de- they're dead to me. So. Um, so this one was just a bad pick. Uh, I took Army plus twenty nine and a half, thinking maybe LSU lets up. Their defense is not great, particularly on the run. Um, not only did LSU win by thirty or more, they won by sixty two. So yeah. that was a miss. Also <laughs> yeah. missed on. Tennessee, Alabama, under 48 and a half. That was looking okay for a while. And then there was a little kind of a rash of scoring in the second half. That scoop and score yeah. uh, is, is what sent it over. And I was well, okay until then. But even then, I was like, man, there's six minutes left. Someone's going to score. Because I was teetering on the edge at that point. I was concerned for you when Tennessee scored 20 in the first half. I was like, because mm, I didn't expect either team to have. No, I know, didn't three- expect. I expect halftime to be something like 14-10 or 14-13. Correct, yeah. And when I saw 27 first-half points, I was like, Yeah, which I guess would have ended up the same thing for the purposes of this. But I I didn't expect um, either team to get to 30. I was expecting like 10-7 or 10-10, something like that, 13-10. But 27 in the first half, I think, just did you in. Yeah, so not a a terrible loss. I, you know, I, I had a chance at it, but. Well, I got to tell you, with regard to this game, since it was one of the bigger games of the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and no homer take here, but if Alabama ever puts together two halves of football, they'll beat somebody 70 to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> they, and it'll be can, a good team, too. Yeah, and th- they cannot seem to string two halves of football together. I mean, it was the same thing in Ole Miss. 
you know, mm-hmm. where they were losing at halftime and then just dominated the second half. Looked like a completely different football team. Same thing here, you know, and, and against Arkansas last week, they dominate the first half and then coast and yeah. let Arkansas climb back in it. A and M. Yeah, AM, same sort of thing. And then this week, what do they do again? You know, they screw out in the first half. They don't move the ball. They, you know, keep giving Tennessee opportunities, which they, the yeah, red they zone. They keep covering slot guys with edge rushers. Yes. And for all intents and purposes, Alabama played extremely well in the red zone, holding mm-hmm. Tennessee to field to goals. To those field goals, yeah. In, in the first half. So kudos to them, but because it could have been a lot worse. And we talked about that offline. But. Second half is a whole fucking different story, man. And I was I was really thrilled with what I saw. Like they seemed to have opened up the playbook a little bit, and you started seeing some jet sweeps, some toss sweeps, which I was super excited to see. You know, just <laughs> take the snap and toss it to the running back and let him go gain five, six, seven yards. Mm-hmm. And Milrow, you saw him start to run the ball in the second half, and I thought that was huge. You know, we had seen one design run. Yeah. For Milrow in the first half, and he got tackled from behind, yeah, and he almost and, broke it too. Yeah, and gained a couple of yards, and then that was the only design run in the first half. And then within five minutes of the second half, he had run the ball direct snap like four times, and they were gaining yards and scoring. And yeah, I don't, I don't know, know, I don't know why. I don't think he likes to run. To be really? honest, I don't. I don't think he's. I think he's in the mode of I want to be a pocket passer. And I don't really uh, want to run. It could be, I guess. It's unfortunate because I think Jalen Milrow designed runs should be a, a, like it was with Jalen Hurts, like a staple of the offense, like in the rotation with, you know, the sweep, counter, slants. All, it just It's just a play instead yeah. of a, you know, twice a half type thing. But personal so what- opinion. So, I mean, did you, did you? I know you watched a good bit of it. Did you have any major takeaways from watching the game itself, as far as looking ahead for Alabama and Tennessee? I would, I would still like to see Alabama run the ball more and not try to be as much of a big play offense because I don't know mm. that that's their strength. Well, they did lean on Jace McClellan pretty hard this week. He had twenty-seven. They were, carries. they were, yeah. Really, it didn't feel like that many. Yeah, he had 27 for a buck 15. So they mm. leaned on it pretty hard. He was getting north and south pretty yeah, well. Yeah, so, so it felt watching it like, as, okay, they're they're working their way more towards that balance that we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, and less just, you know, deep ball in a prayer. Um, the, deep well, shots, the deep shots are always going to be there, but it's just I've it felt like they were getting too all or nothing for a little bit. And that, this game felt like it was swinging back more towards – what we're used to seeing. Yeah. And I think for Milrow, he, he just sort of, like we've said, he, he is who he is and he's mm-hmm. going to miss some intermediate throws. Sure. I mean, that's just, he's going to miss some. Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to having a college quarterback. Yeah. He's going to miss some of the intermediate throws that some of the higher end top quarterbacks make. And to be fair, if you're a starter at Alabama, you should make the intermediate throws. You should be able to make them, but when you can make up for that by running the ball and being a, you know, sort of a deep shot guy and be able to do that, that's just, you got to play to your strengths. And I think that's, uh, I, I say all the time, like the last couple of seasons, I don't like the identity of the team. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of last season, 
we sort of were like, they don't have an identity. Like, what is their identity? Go yeah, that's what eat. pissed you off the most last year was just like, if their identity was X and I just didn't like it, that'd be one thing. But I don't know yeah. what their identity actually is. And I don't think they do either. And I think that's yeah. what drove you nuts the most. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's like, okay, can we just admit that we're going to throw it 50 times a game and just not try to run it at all? I mean, let's throw it 60. Like, <laughs> if we're going to we're gonna go that direction, then just let Bryce Young throw it every play. You know, I mean, he's he's our best player. So... I, I don't know. Uh, looking at Bama moving forward, I'm I'm concerned about them playing LSU, man, because it, to me, they do not need to get into a track meet with LSU. I think that will end. No. I think that will end in a loss. I mean, that's I not know. a I team mean, you don't want to be in a track meet with the number one offense in football. Well, you know, like Old Miss won a track meet. Um, I wouldn't say Florida State won a track meet against them, but it was high scoring ish. I mean, LSU gave up a lot of points. Yeah. I don't know that a track meet suits Alabama no, against it LSU, doesn't. although yeah. I do think there will be plays to be made in the passing game downfield against LSU for them. Yeah. But for me, at Alabama, especially that game, it still comes down to they have to be able to run the ball. What and would they you- have to be able to keep the quarterback upright. Yeah, what would you uh, put that spread at if you had to put the if you had to make a spread for Alabama LSU right now in Tuscaloosa? What would you put it at? I would probably put it somewhere in the four to seven range, like less than a touchdown, I think. Yeah, um, I'd make it very close. To be honest, I would put it at like two and a half. And really, you? Oh yeah, I think it's gonna be a close game, man. I think LSU has just figured some shit out, and they are scoring at will right now. And they are. But Jaden Daniels, like you what, saw Joe. What's Milton. the last defense they played that's as good as Alabama's? Let me look here. No, oh, they haven't played one this year other than uh, Florida State. If you want to say Florida State's defense is as good as Alabama's, then that's the only one they've played this year that was even remotely close to being that good. Right. And and Florida State, I think, has a good defense. I don't know that they have. To be fair, uh, I think if Florida State and LSU – I think if Florida State and LSU played today, it'd be a little bit different ball game. Yeah, I'd be curious to see that total. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Grambling, no. Mississippi State, no. Arkansas, absolutely not. Old Miss, no. no. Missouri, not really, no. no. Auburn, no. Army, obviously not. No. I don't think they played a def- – well, outside of maybe Florida State. Mm-hmm. That I think Florida State's the only team that they – have played so far that is in the same zip code as Alabama defensively. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Tennessee still got a couple of tough games left on their schedule. Yeah. Uh, they still got to face Georgia and they still got to play seven and one Mizzou. You know, yep. Mizzou just keeps fucking winning. So I think uh, we're in deep shit on uh, our under seven and a half for Mizzou because they're seven and one. So I would have to look. I think we've already lost our under six and a half. Was it six and a half? Okay. I, I thought think it was so. seven and a half. All right. Well, we'll we'll check that. Um okay, so let's uh finish up with your picks here. So you you missed okay. on the Alabama, Tennessee under. And, yep, and I hit on Utah at USC over fifty five and a half uh comfortably. <laughs> 18, and four. 18 and four on over since Lincoln Riley arrived. Yeah. Yeah, that uh just keeps hitting. They can't stop anybody. They so, can't. I mean, Utah just keeps ruining their season. 
They cannot get past Utah even without Cam Rising, who is not going to play this year, by the way, at all. That was announced. Like, he's done. He's not going to play this year. So now at least we know, and you would think that Vegas spreads are going to start to, you know, calculate that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Reflect that. So for Utah, man, I. I don't know that they can I don't know that they can beat Oregon or Washington but USC man just god that Caleb Williams what ha- what happened to that dude I mean he's faced two what I would call competent well, defenses this year and he's looked yep. like ass in both games um I didn't think he looked terrible against Utah um the for me it, any problem for USC stems from two things. One obviously is the defense. Um, two, they're soft. Like they're just. I'm, I'm sorry, they're soft. They it it in every way, blocking and tackling. It, at the root of it, the game comes down to: can you block and can you can you tackle? And they can do. Neither. They get moved off the ball, both sides. Um, you know, Notre Dame made it about probably two series into the game before they realized, like, we could just bully these dudes up and down the field. Yeah. And I think Utah probably already knew that going in because they've done it the last three times they've played. And they're. Well, USC's offense is not all that it's cracked up to be. You know, we we talked about it, and I think they've taken a considerable step back from last season, not just in Caleb Williams' play because, I mean, he threw for 256, no scores. But, I mean, his completion percentage is 24 for 34. Not that bad, right? But I don't think they have the difference makers like they had last year. You know, Q Jordan Addison type right. of thing. So, I, I mean, I just, they, it's the same thing as – no, similar thing, not exactly the same, but similar thing to Penn State. They have a lot of good players. Yeah, I think but, Zach Branch is a really dynamic receiver. I yeah, think he's but the, I don't know that they have the guy who, hey, I'm going to him on third and 12. The whole stadium knows that he's going to be doubled and he's still going to get open. And I'm yeah, still I mean, give him the ball. Yeah, I mean, Washington had a good day, had 112, but again, just got in the red zone and could not put it, just couldn't, could, I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan. They can't do, like you said, the basic fundamentals of what you have to do to win big ball games like that. They can bully and just outscore teams oh, like, and, San, like San Jose State. Yeah. But, let me Actually, let me pull this up because the th- other thing that jumped out at me in the second half of that game was penalties. Um, if, oh, you yeah. can't, if you can't block and you can't tackle and you are undisciplined, um, you're in a world of shit. Yeah, they the, had uh, four pins. The roughing, the roughing for 46 call. is what I'm looking at. Um, yeah, six penalties for 46 yards. So, where? Oh, this is the wrong week. Is that what yes. they had? Yep, six for 46. Okay. But I know the roughing call you're talking about. That was just Bear, that was Bear Alexander. That was a fucking dumb decision. Yeah, it was just bad. Like, there's no the ball's out. Like yeah, there's no, no benefit re- to hitting, the, especially going at his head. Yep. I don't know. I don't no I reason. didn't think it met the criteria for targeting and ejection, but 
Yeah, I would agree with that. But when you go helmet to helmet with the but it's still, I mean, they're going to throw a personal yards. foul every time. Yeah, yeah it's still fifteen yeah. yards. So it, you know, and they're just not. They're just not a, a great team. Like no, they have. They're like they have a Heisman Colorado. Trophy winner at quarterback. But if they don't have him. Like they may be a seven and five team when this year's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. They got UCLA. They got uh, Washington. They got Oregon. They yeah. They have. They still have a lot games of games left. Oh yeah, they still have a lot of good teams left on their schedule. So they may yeah. be seven and five when all this shit's done. And if they did not have Caleb Williams, they probably have a losing record. Like that guy is. He's not playing all that great against these top teams, but. If you don't have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows how that Colorado game goes if he's not in there? They they Dude. lose the Arizona game, period. Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I, my guess is they finish eight and four. Uh, which I'll tell you one place they're not going is not going to satisfy him. Yeah, they're not going to go to the college football playoff. Which they are not. If you're a USC fan. I hate to break it to you, but you should not be surprised. Just go back and look at his Oklahoma tenure. That's, what, the year, that's what gets the me. It's like, why, why are people talking about what's going on there? Like, like this wasn't surprised? completely predictable. Like, he's, yeah. it's the same shit oh, yeah. happening as happened for his last four years at Oklahoma. Yeah. Can't fix the run. Can't tackle. Can't they, block. Steadily declined each one of those years. Yeah. Right. And so now he goes to a place where he's got to start over and build instead of just inheriting the Ferrari that Bob Stoops left him. Yes. And that's what we talked about when he got hired was can he build a program? And thus far, he's tried to do it on transfers. And, you know, with some success. I mean, they won, they won 12 or 11 games last year. Yeah. And lots of coaches can come in with a bunch of transfers and change some things around relatively quickly. But when you meet a real team, like an example would be Colorado. When you meet a real team that's actually recruited and developed talent, you get fucking smoked. And the same goes for USC this year. When they met a real team who's recruited and developed talent like Notre Dame, they got destroyed. And I don't know how people can't figure out this formula. Like, yeah, you can have a quick turnaround now with transfers and all of the things that Lincoln Riley's doing. But what you can't win big time ball games doing is not tackling in practice, which clearly they don't fucking tackle. Like I don't give a shit what anyone says. If they say they're tackling, they're lying. Like, and if they are tackling in practice, they need some new coaches that can teach them how to properly do it because they don't tackle and they're just jogging. Like it's, as a defensive-minded guy who just – maybe it's just because I've been watching Bama for so long that mm-hmm. when I see bad defense like that, it just irks me, man. I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, you can – it's a stark difference watching a team like Utah play defense and USC play defense. Like, you can tell those Utah guys are well-coached. Yeah. You can tell they fit the run. They know where they're supposed to be lined up and when. They know how to change calls. They know how to do that. USC's guys can't do any of that shit. I feel like it's just like backyard football for them. Go out and try to cover this guy. Like People want to give Alex Grinch a ton of crap, but I don't think it's his fault. I mean, I think it's on the head coach. 
I mean, am I crazy? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, how seriously does the head coach take this aspect of the game or that aspect of the game? He's he's demonstrated for years that he's not concerned. He's not he's not serious about fielding a good defense. He's not trying to win a championship. To me, that's that's what yeah. you're doing. Because if you go into the season with a defense like that and a scheme and plans and not tackling and practice and things like that, like if you go into the season doing that, you're not going to win a championship. You're going to meet a team like Georgia or Oregon or whoever, somebody that is well-coached on defense, and they're going to fucking kick your ass. And so I just – I'm. I think he's the most overpaid coach in college football. And to be fair, all of them, a lot of them are overpaid, but yeah, a lot of them are, but, but I, I think yeah, that him, guy, him and Jimbo are in dead heat. Um, yeah, agree. So that was my last pick. And circling back to your final bullpen pick, um, oh. sticking with an, a larger overall theme of the week was some of the kind of more higher end teams, weren't all that great against what we thought were inferior opponents like <laughs> Washington, uh, yeah. Texas, which we'll get into in a minute, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were back and forth with Malzahn all day. Oh, yeah. They were a two-point play from the game being tied. Yeah. So, uh, but another one of those teams that really just was shockingly bad was uh, North Carolina, who – you took at minus 23 and a half at home against one and five Virginia and they lose by four. They lose 31 to 27. <laughs> make it yeah. make sense. Yeah. Cue the, cue the Mac Brown stun face award. Um, I, I just, <laughs> it's 14 to nothing right out of the gate. And I was saying, what the hell is North Carolina doing? And I still can't wrap my head around it. You go back and watch some of it. You check the box scores and, they just couldn't stop them. Could not stop them. Yeah. The, it's like the old Saban saying, you know, where they're like, they ran through our ass like yep. shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. That's what I was thinking about. I'm going, God, this is arguably the worst football team in the Power Five. Arguably. Like, you could make a case that Virginia is the worst power football team in the Power Five. And... <laughs> They go and beat an undefeated North Carolina team yeah, on, on the road. road. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I don't, I've never, I can't imagine being favored by more than three touchdowns and winning the turnover battle and still losing the game. Yeah. Crazy. Complete, complete and utter stinker by Mac yeah. Brown. Um, speaking of stinkers, I watched much of the first half of Washington. Yeah. I kind don't of understand uh, what was happening there. I think it's I think it's the Herm factor, man. <laughs> still, I told you, man, that that stink that he left yeah. behind in the locker room must still be lingering because Arizona State, they just seem to be a tough team to cover against, man. I'd be anxious to see how many teams have covered against them this year. I, I don't know. I, I don't well, know. I, you know, on one hand, like props to Kenny Dillingham for keeping yeah. his guys playing hard, right? You remember, not that it matters, because I don't think they were going anyway, but, you know, right before the season starts, the administration does a one a voluntary one-year bowl ban on yeah. the team. Um, 
And, you know, you see it every year. We're seeing it, I think, with Michigan State. You know, things start looking grim and guys quit. And oh, yeah. They're going through the motions. And Arizona State, you know, uh, kept at it. Uh, and they gave them a gave them a game. I mean, those guys played well, hard. They played well. Washington was really just kind of off-center all game. That's going to happen from time to time. They still pulled it out, which I guess is all that matters. But Yeah, and you know, you figure coming off a uh, a big win like Oregon and all that was going on there, you kind of figure they'd still be dialed, but <laughs> Arizona State, man, they're, just, they're not a team you want to bet against or for they're just they're a wild card man they seem to play team stuff and this is a team that yeah. before the season dillingham was saying if some of these donors didn't come in at the last minute like we wouldn't have a football program <laughs> like none of our players would be here because we got some nil donations at the last minute to field a team basically yeah. so agree on the on the props for dillingham he seems to be the right dude for the job because i honestly coming into the season thought they would be way way worse than they are and they're not yeah. good to be fair no, they're not good they're not but their last their last four games uh they're 3-0 oh, and 1 against the spread there you so, go despite I mean, you know didn't go well the first 3 weeks but uh they didn't cover any of those and they didn't really come close to covering any of those but uh, against Washington, Colorado, Cal, and USC, they've covered three out of those four as yeah. underdogs. So, still fighting, still competing, still playing hard. Uh, a one in sixteen—that's three, three and one against the spread. I don't know that you see that very often. I think it's a little more; those numbers are a little more in line. But yeah, you know, and for Washington, they just got to kind of flush this one and get ready for the next game. Uh, This—I don't know that this game alarms me all that much. I. Most times teams go win the championship. They have a, you know, Georgia had a stinker last year. They oh, almost, yeah. They almost yeah, lost he, at Mizzou. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, it, Nick Saban's had two yeah. undefeated teams ever. I mean, they're, most teams are going to have a stinker or two throughout the season. Right. Yeah. Washington, even even when Clemson was winning titles, they were Clemsoning. But if you right. would have told me that uh, Washington was going to beat Arizona State and not score an offensive touchdown, mm hmm. I would have bet against that. Like they yeah. did not score a single offensive touchdown. <laughs> that mm, pretty pretty wild for a top ten offense to go in there and just completely shit the bed and not score any points. I I don't know, man. I I turned it off. I turned it off at halftime. I was like, I, I'm just I'm not staying up to watch any more of this. I made it to the start of the fourth quarter, and I was like, I can't do it anymore. Mm. I'm, not, I'm going to bed. So yeah, it was I'm like not two in the morning. Anymore. Yeah, it was two in the morning or something like that on the um, East Coast. So. I did catch the last probably three or four minutes of Texas and Houston. I don't know how much of that you watched. I didn't ca- I didn't have any eyes on that game at all. I didn't see a, one second of it. Um, oh boy, Houston caught a, a bad, bad break. Um, Wait a minute. Game. Wait a minute. Is this the penalty? No. This is no, this, the, this, this was this the bad was, spot. Yes, this was the bad the what I was talking, not a penalty, but the refs protecting Texas. Yes, they missed that spot by a full fucking yard. Yeah, it was it wasn't class. Like I'm watching, they're showing the replay. I'm like, the guy's inside the nine. <laughs> I mean, even Tim Brando was losing. I can't stand Tim Brando to be clear, but he was losing his mind mm. on the broadcast. He's like, This is unacceptable. <laughs> it's just bad refereeing. Yeah. He, he was losing his mind. And 
Yeah, tech, uh, Houston got screwed because they definitely could have had a chance to go down there and tie. Yeah, it. I and, mean they still, you know, they they would have had first and goal. They still got to go in and score. Um, yeah, sure. But it's. And uh, I, I never yeah. like I never like to see uh, an error in judgment be that pivotal in the outcome of a game. That's all. Yeah, no kidding. And to add insult to injury for Texas, even though they barely escape, they lose Quinn Ewers for Mm -hmm. what sounds like multiple weeks with the same shoulder injury that he had last season in which he missed about five or six games. I think, Uh, I think it's a different injury, but I don't know. I heard today. I heard today it was the same thing, but that could be wrong. Um, Don't have an update on an exact timeline, but uh, what I heard was multiple weeks, significant amount of time. Mm. And the, the, the thing about this for me, like I don't really care about it this week but they got kansas state in a couple of weeks man and no quinn yours playing kansas state i don't know that they really match up i don't know the k-state really matches up with them all that well even without yours but it's one of those things like k-state starting to find themselves and playing some good ball they absolutely fucking destroyed tcu this weekend 41 3 that's that's one that i talked about and should have taken like an idiot but yeah byu at home this week doesn't scare me yeah i think state at home next week with no quinn ewers i that might uh we would have to see what uh it's a little dicey yeah let's see what the what the next guy looks like uh whoever that is whether it's um well it's gonna be malik malik murphy Yeah, yeah, it'll um, be him. Probably but, Murphy, and but you got to wonder if he starts, if he comes in and he starts stinking. Right? How you know? how long is the leech before yeah. uh, the bloodline? Arch, before makes, Arch, Arch Manning makes his debut, yeah. yeah, that'll be super interesting to see. It's a good storyline to watch. But uh, and then the only other team that we were going to mention was Oregon. They kind of screwed, and I don't want to say they screwed around with a with a bad team because Washington State's not a bad football team. Correct. So I, I kind of included Oregon into this discussion because they they are clearly a better team than Washington State, and Washington State was leading for a good part of this game. They kind yeah. of took three quarters to wake up, and then they sort of did the same thing they did against Texas Tech, Texas Tech where, they, yeah. where they came alive in the fourth quarter and you know were able to pull away and get a win. But just a lot of... A lot of stinkers by some of the top teams, man. This is going to make our power ratings uh, next week very interesting. I think there will be a lot of disparity. Might. There usually is. There has been the last couple of Well, not a lot last time, but the ones we did, uh, the post-spring ball, were drastically different. Indeed. Um, And so that leads me into this segment because I wanted to touch on this. We talked about it. We touched on it a little bit earlier. There, a couple of these I feel like are really obvious, but there's some other ones that there's a lot of questions and a lot of, uh, you know, I think there'll be disparity in this discussion as well. Uh, and if you're listening to the show, feel free to drop us a comment and tell us what your thoughts are, but conference title matchups, if you had to project the current matchups and I'm not going to say, I mean, the Big Ten, it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan on yep. one side. and But right now, Wisconsin's the leader in the clubhouse and the other side. But <laughs> that could change any week. That, I, I think that's Well, they are until Monday morning, but go right. ahead. Right. And so the Big Ten, I think, is probably the most clear-cut picture right now. 
out of all of them, but big big 12 i mean would you pick anybody other than texas and oklahoma right now with quinn ewers injury all of that or we just go in texas and oklahoma and that's that i can't believe i'm saying this you can never count out mike gundy (laughs) i swear to god i was hoping you would mention that because he's only he him and this is I didn't believe this. I had to actually look this up on two different websites to because I didn't buy it at first. Uh, Iowa State also is only carrying one conference loss. <laughs> How's that possible? Um, so same thing well, with K State because well, one of their losses is Mizzou. Well, so, K the K State thing is interesting because if they were to knock off Texas, that puts right. K State in the driver's seat. For the Big yeah. Twelve title, I mean they've it only does. got one. They've only got one conference loss against Oklahoma, who they've already played and lost to. So that they would be in the driver's seat. And if they went out, they're going to the Big Twelve championship, and Texas gets left out. Yeah, and that so, is Texas, and um, so this weekend coming up, there are three games mm-hmm. that I kind of consider conference semifinals because mm-hmm. um, they're they're games between unbeaten or one loss. Uh, one conference loss teams that are going head to head this weekend. That is Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Utah, and Louisville Duke. Then next week we get K state and Texas. So, and Alabama LSU. Is that next week or week after? I thought that was, Oh yeah. Like it is the next week. I was fourth. Um, Yeah. The fourth. Yeah. So so that's a, that's a defacto SEC West final, you know, pretty much. Um, You got old miss kind of, Lingering out there, they do have the win over LSU and the loss to Bama. Yeah, well, yeah, so Bama you might get would, into two goofy tiebreakers there. Yeah, Bama would still hold the edge over Ole Miss with one conference loss, so Bama would have to lose a second one. But LSU would be in the driver's seat. Well, for, I'm saying if if LSU were to win, mm-hmm. then all three of those teams have one conference loss, and they've done the the little circle jerk of beating each other. Indeed. And then I believe, I, I don't know what the tiebreakers are. I think you go yeah. off for common opponents. So. so now I don't expect Ole Miss to finish with one conference loss because they still have to go to Georgia, but right. for the purposes of this discussion, uh, back to your original question, Big 12. I'm going to, I don't, I'm nervous about sticking with Texas because I don't know how long Quinn Ewers is going to be out and I don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. Yeah. But, um, I also don't have anything that tells me I should not stick with them. So I'm going to say Oklahoma and Texas get their rematch. Mm. Uh, what do you think about the ACC? God, what a debacle. I think it's going to be Florida State and someone. Yeah, It's pretty crazy to think about all the teams who are still in it. Uh, well, there's Miami, really only three that are in Mi- it. Miami's still technically in it. North Carolina is still technically in it. Louisville is still in it. And Duke is still in it. Yeah. I mean, so you got four teams who are all still in the mix there, and some of them have to play each other. I I don't think it really matters for the ACC because I personally don't think any of them can beat Florida State. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be Florida State and someone. But – We'll we'll talk more about the ACC in a second yeah. with a with about a five minute discussion here on uh, Clemson, which mm. we'll we'll talk about that in a second, and then it will not be in the ACC championship game. No, um, and, Big Ten so, West. So Iowa has two conference losses. 
Yeah, I, I would lean Wisconsin there. Well, Wisconsin only has one, but they play Ohio State this week. Probably going to get a second one. Iowa does hold the head-to-head over them. Oh, God. Please don't. I just, oh, man. I'm just saying. Now, Minnesota has <laughs> Minnesota has two conference losses. They hold the head-to-head over Iowa. So there's a chance that Wisconsin-Minnesota at the end of the year becomes the Big West, Big Ten West championship game. I really don't even want to think about oh that entire division, so we'll move on. Pack yeah. 12, Washington 4-0 in the driver's seat, but there's four other teams that control their own destiny. Indeed. Oregon, I think, is still probably the team that I would pick to win the conference. I think Oregon, on a neutral field, can beat Washington. Mm-hmm. I think playing on the road in that tough environment, because say what you want about Washington's stadium and whatever, if you're an SEC homer, I get it, whatever. But as somebody who's been to a game at that stadium, have you been to that stadium? It is. It's it's loud as shit in there and it's tough to hear. And they've actually done upgrades to it since I was there in like 2006. So it gets loud as hell in there and it's a tough place to play in. Their fans are really loud and they're loyal and it's pretty rabid in there, especially in a game like that, the first ever top 10 matchup between those two teams. And I think if they played on a neutral field today, I think I would pick Oregon to beat them. Mm. Um, I just think they're a little bit more talented on defense and, you know, so I would still lean Oregon to win the conference, but But I don't know. I don't know what I think about like Oregon state is still an interesting team. Yeah. See, that's the thing is picking Oregon to win the conference means they beat Oregon state. You have to pick them to get to the conference title game, which means they got to beat Utah this week. They got to beat Oregon state. Uh, They got to beat USC, which I think they will, but USC I think can score enough to make them nervous. Um, I'll be anxious to see those our power ratings next weekend uh, yeah. for now, the Pac-12, how we order those teams. I, I think it'll be a really interesting order between Washington, Oregon State, Oregon, and Utah. Yeah. Because USC will clearly be at the bottom yeah. of all of those. And uh, UCLA. I, to be fair, UCLA is still in it. And while I don't love the quarterback play week to week, they still – our team who can, if they don't do what they did against Oregon State and throw three interceptions in the first half, two of them mm-hmm. for a touchdown, as long as they don't do that, they're capable of playing with any of these teams. I mean, their yeah, defense UC- is- UCLA has a top 15 defense. I think if you yeah. can play defense, like really, really good defense in that conference, you can win games that yeah. people might not you- think you can. Utah has proven that their offense is not dynamic. I mean, Bryson Barnes put the team on his back this weekend, but they were going against a trash defense. So, I mean, if you're going to tell me that Utah is going to be able to score that many points against UCLA, I don't know that I'm going to buy that. So I I just think it's a, the PAC 12 is wide open right now. I think more so than any other conference. And then like you, well, like we mentioned in the SEC, you got Bama and LSU kind of de facto yep. for the West, and Georgia is the clear favorite on the other side. So, yeah, and it's just it's kind of going to be interesting to see who. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone will beat them in the regular season. If someone yeah. does, I'd be curious to see who that is. My guess yeah. would be they're most likely still their most likely loss would be at Tennessee. On the road at Tennessee. Yep. 
So that's that'd be an interesting one. And I thought about this too. And we can just this is a simple yes or no. If Georgia were to lose a game mm-hmm. and you have a say twelve and one SEC champ, is there be that Alabama or Georgia? Is there any chance that the SEC champ would get left out of the playoff regardless? Like say you've got three undefeated teams. Like say Washington goes undefeated. Michigan, Oklahoma, or Michigan, Florida State. Yeah, Oklahoma goes undefeated. Florida I think State Florida State's undefeated. more likely to go undefeated than Oklahoma is. But Yeah, so say, I mean, you, there's a potential you could have four undefeated teams and mm-hmm. the SEC could be left out if Georgia were to lose a game. Like, I don't... I find Good. that hard to believe, but it's it's not Plus, a like game. any other year. Like once yeah. you lose a game, you know you don't have necessarily the clear cut. Well, I just don't you, have. You're relying on what happens elsewhere. For the longest time, it didn't matter because Oklahoma was going to win the Big Twelve. The Pac-12 yep. was going to have a three or four loss champ. Yep. Um, you would get Clemson and then a Big Ten team. So it was, it was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. And, you know, nowadays I think it's a lot less cut and dry. And on top of that, it's just all of this that I'm saying could be irrelevant and whatever. But I don't think it's a crazy thing to to bring up. And no, it's well within the realm of possibility I have, because there's enough unbeaten teams left. Well, that and I have zero, and I do mean zero faith in the college football playoff committee to actually put the four best teams in the playoff. Like if Georgia's 12 and one, they would be favored over every team in America, probably except Michigan, except maybe Michigan. Yeah. Who might be a short favorite at two and a half, but you know, I don't have faith in the committee to put the four best teams in there because they didn't do it last year. And so, you know, it just, it, it wouldn't shock me to see somebody that shouldn't be left out, left out. But that brings us to the last part of this. We are coming up on an hour here. We're at 58 minutes, so we're going to burn through this really quick. Uh, let's revisit the hot seat rankings really fast. Okay. And uh, let's see how we're doing. I know I'm 1-0 and already on the yeah. season with Pat Fitzgerald uh, getting fired. So let's run down our lists and see who has saved their job. Do you have your list? Because I don't have yours. Oh, God. I don't have okay well i'll cover mine you can dig yours up okay um number five i had greg shiano who came into the year 80 and 89 in two different stints at rutgers he is probably safe um he's already won six games he's bowl eligible they're six and two they probably only have one win left because their schedule the rest of the way includes ohio state at iowa at at penn state maryland probably going to lose all four of those um, I think seven and five is probably their ceiling, but I think he has done enough to at least get to start next year. Number four, I had Justin Wilcox at Cal. Cal is three and four. They have games against USC, Oregon, Wazoo, and UCLA left. They are probably going to be a four and eight team. He was 30 and 36 coming into the year. It's Cal, so I don't know what their tolerance is. Most places, um, you know, if you're 34 and 44 after five seasons, you probably are looking for a new job. But if he can get to five wins, maybe. But I, I don't, 
I don't Maybe. like it. I, I think he's probably not going to make it. Um, yeah. Number three, I had Neil Brown. Neil Brown is a guy who came into the year 22 and 25 in his West Virginia stint. And I thought when I started making that list that he would be number one. And he hasn't been as terrible, right? They haven't had like a two and 10 year. He's just been kind of hovering around 500. Yeah, he was my number one. Was Neil um, Brown. They should make a bowl game. They're four and three. They have UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Baylor left on their schedule. That's four winnable games. They should win two or more of those, and I think they will. I think they probably have a seven-win ceiling. So I think Brown and then the next guy I'll talk about are in a very, very similar situation where I think they're coaching for their job. And if they can get to six, maybe seven wins, might be safe. I don't know... I, I kind of feel I like he's. Per, I think he's. I think he's perpetually coaching on a short leash at this point. Yeah, and I. I think he's got a chance to win just enough games to where maybe they hesitate, you know, and then you start. Then the buyout becomes a factor. Like, yeah. oh God, is he bad enough to that we want to pay whatever his buyout is? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but I. I put him in the category of probably still coaching for his job. Yeah. Um along with this next guy, Jeff Hapley at Boston College. He was my number two, was Hapley. Yep, he was 15 and 20 coming into the year. They're four and three. Three of those wins are by three points or less. They'll probably make a bowl game also. They still have UConn, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech on the schedule. Yeah. So they'll probably get to six wins. Same thing, seven-win ceiling, I think. Like, that's the best case for them. If he can get to six wins, make a bowl game, or gosh, you know, seven wins and then win a bowl, you know, the pinstripe bowl or whatever, um, and somehow get to eight with this Boston College team, I think he'll be safe. But those three games that I said are winnable, they're all losable too. This is a team that almost lost to Holy Cross. They lost to Illinois or Northern Illinois, rather. Um, you know, they're four and three. They could easily be one and six. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, but I if they can get to six and six, I think maybe he at least starts next season. Yeah. And real quick for me, I start I topped the list with um with Neil Brown. Mm-hmm. We already discussed that. Uh halfly at number two. And then I cannot remember for the life of me who I had at three and four, but I do remember a couple of names that I mentioned. Um I just couldn't find it in my notes here. But um I did mention Pat Fitzgerald, which he's already gone. And I kind of threw Mel Tucker in the honorable mention as well, but I didn't put him on the list. He was an honorable mention. So that one doesn't qualify and he didn't lose for bad coaching. Same as Fitzgerald. They, even though (laughs) Fitzgerald should have been fired for bad coaching, but neither one of them, I kind of look at those with both asterisks against, you know, on both of those names. And uh, one guy who, that I mentioned that, uh, I had on the list who has definitely saved his job was Drinkwitz at yep. Mizzou. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, this guy, man, he I'm like Mizzou ain't done shit. He's going to have to show me something. Like if they have another bad year, the shit could go sideways in a hurry. And here we are, here we are. They're seven and one. So definitely prove me wrong there. But, yeah. Oh, and then my number one guy was Tom Allen at Indiana. And I think yeah. he, uh, he yeah. is, he is sitting on a cast iron skillet. It, yeah. I uh, agree there. They're now, two and five, four of those losses by 17 plus. They have max. Well, yeah. 
I, I think they maybe have one win left. They got Purdue, Michigan State, and Illinois left on the schedule. Yeah. I don't think they win more than one of those games. So three and nine season most likely coming after a 30 and 39 uh, record coming into the year. I think he's done. Blech, gross. All right. So the last question before we go, I know we're trying to get out of here. I never thought this would come out of my mouth, but is it time to question Dabo at Clemson? Like, I mean, well, it depends on what the question is. The question is, is he going to stop what looks like a steady decline? Because it's starting to look like he rode the coattails of Venables who was recruiting all those studs on defense and coaching him up and all of that. The Garrett Riley hire has not worked out at all. And we expected big improvement. And now jury's still out. It's year one, perhaps year two yields something there, but to lose like you did against Miami, man, I just, I, I have to raise the question of, can he turn this around? Like, I mean, they're he can, he's just got to get out of his own way. Uh, so, the thing about the Garrett Riley hire is, yeah, it's year one, and it's that means more at Clemson than it does at other places because he's he's bringing his offensive scheme to not his players, they're all players that were there before because they didn't pull anyone in, right? So, he's got what he's got, yeah. Um, and this has been talked about it a number of different people, but. I think that's the first thing that has to change is he has to be honest about the state of his roster and where they need to improve it and how they can improve it instead of just, well, we're going to get this redshirt sophomore developed up and he's going to be ready to play next year. No, he's not. No. So they're going to have to, instead of, you know, kind of scotch tape and bubble gum and, and let a, a great quarterback hide your problems like Deshaun Watson, like a Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw that last play that Clemson yeah. ran, but if he hands that ball off to He gets blown up. Well, if you look at it, I went and watched the replay of it today. I watched it like four times. He gets tackled at the two. I I think he could have bounced it out and walked in the end zone, personally. Mm-hmm. like I think if he hands it off, it's got a much better chance than him just running a naked bootleg and trying to make a play and kudos to club Nick for saying, Hey, I saw something that's on me, whatever, but no kudos to Dabo for throwing his kid under the bus and no, saying, well, he didn't run. The, he didn't run the fucking play. We called that was whatever. Weak. Yeah. Utterly weak Dabo. So I'm kind of out on Clemson at this point, I will fade them. And until they show me something, I'm just not going to buy it. Like I'm at, I'm at the point of I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily on Hunter's level of short selling Clemson stock, but I'm definitely selling Clemson stock. Like any Clemson stock I own, I'm selling that shit. Yeah, he's got to make some fundamental change. And I thought maybe, you know, when he he fired the Brandon Streeter, mm-hmm. right, a guy who's been on staff forever, um, and brought in someone new, which has not been his mo. Okay, well maybe he's kind of turning a corner and and making an effort to not fall further behind in kind of the modern landscape. And here, here we are. So I think they should go the other way and just hire Brian Ferentz to run their offense. Oh, <laughs> <boy>. they, <laughs> they, looks like it would be about as effective. I don't know. It's it's you can't lose to Miami. Well, he'll be available after the season. Most likely. 
<laughs> Most likely. Indeed. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the week. We ran a little bit long here. I'm going to let you get out of here and go watch the Astros and the Vikings. But uh, you guys can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. We'll be back with you tomorrow night live uh, on YouTube at probably 7 Eastern as uh, per the usual. And uh, as always, we are presented by Belly Up Sports. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. We'll be back with you tomorrow night live at 7 o'clock. See you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day. <laughs>